Okay, guys, so let's start from the beginning of Rus. Beza Hashem. Try to get through some inyonim to understand exactly what's going on over here. Posak Aleph, Perik Aleph, Posak Aleph. Vayihi. Bimeshvoit hashoiftim vayirov boretz. Vayeyech ish. Mibes lechem, Yehuda. Logu bistei morev hu veishtoy shnei bonov. We'll explain a lot of this in a moment. Vishem ha ish eli melech. Vishem ishtoy noomi. Vishem shnei bonov machloim vechilyoin. Efrosoim. Okay, I think that's enough for the moment. I, I just want to, like, we'll start like this, you know, the Megillah tells us, the uh, gives us a little bit of the background as it starts of exactly um, what took place. And there's a lot of Midrashim that I just want to give credit to a Gavalda Gaseva called Al-Harsina Al-Agvuros that just brings down a lot of Midrashim as well, which is a lot of what we're going to say right now as well. So Megillah Rus, as I mentioned, does give you a little bit of the backdrop to what was happening at the time of Rus, which is obviously important for us to know. And the very first Posik basically tells us that the Megillus was, took place in Eretz Yisrael. Um, and it took time, as the Megillah tells us clearly, right? They were shoved in, the judges were ruling over there. It was before there were Malachim, there were kings ruling over Eretz Yisrael. And it was, time, uh, it was the time of the judges over there. Uh, and the, the way that the Megillah tells us, in fact, Chazal already tell us, that whenever it says Vayihi Bimei, that comes to tell us that it's a bad time for Klal Yisrael. And it was a bad time. At that time of Rus, there was a tremendous famine going on. Tremendous famine going on. And as Chazal tells us clearly, that whenever it says Vayihi Bimei, that's a, a bad Loshan. If you look at the Mephoshim, it's clearly that way. And the Torah is telling us it's a bad time for Klal Yisrael. And um, when it then says Bimei Shafoit Hashoftim, What's the connection to tell us that the Shaft and the judges were ruling and there was a famine? What's going on over here basically is, is that the Megillah is telling us why the famine took place. Why was there such a bad time for Klal Yisrael? Because what happened was the low level that was going on even within the judges themselves. In other words, the judges themselves were lacking the moral... Um, uh, stability to be a judge. They were not able to give Musa. Klalisol were going down. They had no ability to lead the nation. I'll give you one example that the Mephoshim bring. Uh, in fact, it's a better it's a Mephoshim Gemara in Baba Basra Tezvov that says this, that says the Gemara, when a judge in those times will tell someone off and say, hey, you're stealing... So somebody would get up and say, Oh, you, you're the judge? Oh, really? Because yesterday you did X, Y, Z. So it was like, a, it was a joke. The whole, the whole system was a total joke. It was crazy. Everyone was going down. No one knew what was going on. And that was the uh, downfall at that moment. And that was what was going on. That's why the Megillah tells us that he robbed Boris. There was a tremendous famine at that time. And uh, this was the situation with Claudius all the time of Megillus Rus. The Rabbi Shalom sent judges as shluchim, as messengers, to give Musa to the Olam, but it didn't work. And because of that, there was a tremendous famine in order to try and cause people to do tshuva. Now, right in the beginning of Megillus Rus, we are introduced, as we mentioned, in Pasuk Beis already, 
uh, we mentioned already before, Lago Bestay Moev Hu Veishtoi Hu Veishtoi Ushnei Bonov, but we say Veshem Ha'ish Eli Melech. Right, this is Eli Melech. Who is Eli Melech? It's very, very important. Uh, Eli Melech was the son of, I'm sure we all know. Don't all shout it at once, please. Eli Melech is the son of Nachshon ben Aminodov, famously being the one that jumped into Yamsuf. Right, when Klali Sual after Yitzhak Mitzrayim had nowhere to go, Nachshon was the one to go out. He had a son called Eli Melech. In fact, Nachshon had a few sons. But one of them was Elimelech. Now, Elimelech was a very, very Choshevayid. He was a Manhig Hadori, one of the leaders of the generation, one of the biggest Sadiqim. In fact, we know from Chazal he never did an Aveira. Now, that's a pretty high level for someone to say, but that's who he was. And not only was he Choshev, and we normally say, he was Zoycha to tremendous, uh, a tremendous richness. Very, very wealthy, very, very, very um, powerful leader in Klal Yisrael. And what happened was, is when this famine broke out, so he decided, that's it, I'm going to leave Eretz Yisrael, which was basically the downfall. That was the beginning of everything. There's a few reasons why this happened. He left, as we know, that the Megillah tells us clearly, he left um, not only with himself, it says he left also... Uh, with his wife and his two sons, Machlon and Kilion, which is very important. He left with his two sons. They were not married at that time. And um, there's a lot of what's going on in the Mephoshim of what was so wrong with him leaving Eretz Yisrael? What was so bad? Right? What was it so bad? So many say the reason was because when you've got someone so Choshev, he's the Manigador, he's leading Kalal Yisrael, and something bad happens, you don't run away. That's not a way to deal with it. When something bad happens, the first thing you do is you keep with your people, especially if you're the leader of that people, especially if they look up to you, especially if you've got all the money and you support them. Everyone looks up to you not only for spiritual <coughs> and emotional support, but also physical support. So when he left, it was a terrible, terrible thing. And <coughs> because of that, <coughs> he was punished in a very bad way, which would explain Be'ez Hashem. He could have coped with the famine. He was a very rich man. There was no problem. Others say the reason he left Eretz Yisrael because he knew that because as a rich man, he's going to have to support everyone. I'm not interested in supporting everyone. So he left. And as I said, he left not by himself. He left with his wife, Naomi, and his two, his two sons as well. And it was very, very bad because when you see the leader of Kalal Yisrael leading, leaving, and he didn't just leave himself, he left with all his, you know, his family, left with all his, you know, all his possessions and his animals and his, you know, everything was coming out over there, they're like, whoa, we're in a pretty bad massive if our leader is basically abandoning us, and this is what was going on over there, Elimelech also had the opportunity to give everyone Musa, and he had opportunity to make them do better, right, the Rabbani Shalom did this in a specific way, to try, that's how the Rabbonisham does it, he affects things outside of us, and then finally gets closer and closer to home, so that maybe we will get the message, and it wasn't happening, Elimelech had the opportunity, had the ability to be able to improve Kalal Yisrael, but he did not do that, he should have remained with them, he did not do that, and therefore that was why he was punished in such a way, and that's what was happened, and that's why, because they didn't also daven for other people, he should have davened, and he didn't daven, whatever it was, so, he uprooted his family and he left, as the Megillah tells us right in the beginning, he left where to? He left, left to Moyav, right? 
He went to the fields of Moyav, right? That's a very also important thing. He left from a very, very distinct place in Eretz Yisrael. It was well known as one of the big cities that everyone went to. And he left for his own selfish reasons. And because of that, he was criticized. He's also criticized not only for leaving, but he's actually criticized for going to Moyav. Why are you going to Moyav? Moyav is one of the terrible places. In fact, Al-Pi'alocha, you really also to be, the Moavites are, are also to become part of Kladi's role. Because as we know, when we left Mitzrayim, they didn't greet us, they didn't give us water, they didn't help us. And therefore, because of that, now Eli Melech all of a sudden decides to go to, he could have gone anywhere, but he went to a place like this, to a place of a nation that didn't greet Klal Yisrael, didn't help Klal Yisrael at the time of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and that is a terrible, terrible thing. So we have to understand that you've got a leader of Klal Yisrael who's, le- who's leaving his flock at a time of need. We don't run away when t- things get tough, and he did, he left, and people, Posha got people were like oh my gosh that's the end people gave up because if he's leaving then there's no uh, there's no way of anything whatsoever it's very very interesting the way that the Megillah sort of just tells us um, that he just left doesn't really tell us the whole thing just doesn't tell us all the details of exactly what went on all it tells us is that basically he left that was it he just went right doesn't say he doesn't say he went with all of his things and everything and the reason for that is because he had no use for his things because as we know that he died and therefore he was by himself in that way so that's another allusion in the in the megillah now some say that it wasn't only his fault it was also a lot of his wife, and his wife could have basically told him, what are you doing, why are we going, and she didn't protest. If she would have pleaded and pleaded to him to stay, possibly they could have stayed as well and prevented him from leaving, but they didn't do that, so therefore she was also punished by losing all of her family, whatever it was. Now, after being in Moab, what happened was, Elimelech, as we know, is punished, and the Psukim tell us very clearly the terrible punishment that came upon Elimelech, as the Torah tells us again, as the Megillah tells us, um, So he was punished by dying, which was a tremendous punishment, and um, she, Nomi, the wife, has basically uh, alone, she is alone with her two sons in that time. Her two sons now basically uh, go pretty much off the derech in this time and they start marrying and getting involved with uh, two of the Moabites over there, uh, two women over there and they took wives who didn't even convert which means they married Goyim right, Rus was married to Machloin and Orpa was married to Kilyoin right, now these Rus and Orpa were actually uh, very chosh of uh, princesses Right, they were daughters of Eglon, the king of Moab. They were very, very well and high esteem. But again, they were goyim, and since their um, um, Naomi's white and um, two sons married them as goyim, so obviously that was a very, very bad thing. And there's no question if Elimelech, their father, would have been alive, he never would have allowed such a marriage to take place. But because he was no longer alive, therefore this marriage took place, and that's what's so sad, and that's really why these things happened the way they did. Now, it's, in fact, it's interesting the way the pesukim come out, these things happened within a very short amount of time. But in fact, Hazal tell us, they happened within somewhere between 8 and 12 years. And at that time, the Rabbani Shalom tried to get Machlon and Kilon to do tshuva. They didn't do tshuva, and therefore they also died. 
uh, after not doing tshuva. And now we've got basically all that's left of the famous Elimelech's family, the leader of Klalisol, the wealthiest man, well-known, respected fellow. The only thing that's left living outside Eretz Yisrael in bush and embarrassment is Elimelech, who's left, uh, is Naomi, Naomi, his wife, that's left not only with her two sons, she's only left now with her two daughter-in-laws, who are not even Jewish, which is incredible. That's Everything is wiped out, all of her money, all of her glory, everything is gone. There's nothing whatsoever. However, the only thing she did have with her two daughter-in-laws, and they were very, very good at staying by her side the whole time. Now, the Megillah continues and tells us, after we've had some of these incredible, incredible um, facts over here, the Megillah continues to talk about uh, the relationship between the daughter and daughter-in-law and the mother-in-law, right? And this is what's going on, right? Uh, Perik Aleph tells us a lot about how Naomi is basically by herself. She's alone. She's got no family. She's basically got no money. She's totally by herself. And she did total tshuva. At this time, she realized that the Rabbani Shalom was sending her a message, and she said, I need to do tshuva, and she did tshuva, and she said, the only way I can really do tshuva in a proper way is return to Eretz Yisrael to undo the wrongdoing that my father, that my husband did, and she's going to go back to Eretz Yisrael, even though it's embarrassing for her to go back to Eretz Yisrael, but I'm going to do it. So she packed, and Megillah tells us she packed some of her belongings, which weren't that much at that time, and she basically did not tell anyone that she's going, uh, because she didn't want them to persuade her and say, no, stay, whatever it was. She decided to, to leave. And actually, the Megillah tells us that when she did leave, it made a tremendous uh, impression upon Moev because she was a very big tzaddikis. And when she left, everyone felt, you know, uh, when the tzaddik leaves, as Rashi tells us in Chumash, there's a certain void that is left at that time. So there she is. It's Naomi leaving with her two daughter-in-laws and they're going on the way to Eretz Yisrael. And there's no question they all had intentions to go to Eretz Yisrael and do the Rats and Hashem. Chazal tell us that they walked barefoot. Why did they walk barefoot? So the Mepharshim explained they, left, they went barefoot. Amazing this. Could be because they didn't have shoes. But the Mepharshim explained a better reason. And that is because when they, went, when they reached Eretz Yisrael, they wanted their feet to touch Eretz Yisrael at the first possible time. They didn't even want to have to take off their shoes. So they walked the whole way barefoot so that they should touch Eretz Yisrael and as soon as they possibly can. Chazal tell us they walked they walk 40 steps. They reached a crossroad. At this point, Naomi was not sure whether her daughter-in-laws are really going to go with her or they're just like being nice and walking or escorting her to her next destination. Now she understood that they were serious to go back to Israel. With tears in her eyes, she says, My dear daughter-in-laws, please do me a favor. Don't come with me to Eretz Yisrael. And there were many reasons why she said, don't come to Eretz Yisrael. Some of the reasons were because she realized that she would have no, no normal place to live. And everyone has to go to their place. And since her daughter-in-laws were not Jewish, they wouldn't let them be together. So why are you coming to Eretz Yisrael for? We're not even going to be together. You're going to be in one place. I'm going to be in another place. It's not Nagaya. The embarrassment that we're going to have to have from coming back to Eretz Yisrael when we left them in their time of need is also a tremendous thing, which is also crazy. And another thing as well, where are you going to get married? Nobody's going to marry, you know, uh, uh, someone that comes from Moyav, right? Even though halakhically it's now, people didn't know that. And therefore, there's no way you're going to get married. And she continues to say as well, 
You have to understand that even if you're going to marry my child, Naomi is saying, you want to wait for you to have a child, and it's going to be a boy, first of all, who said I'm going to get pregnant? Who said I'm going to find someone to marry? And even if I do, who said I'm going to have a child? And even if I have a child, who said it's going to be a boy? And you're going to wait now, you know, 18 years for him to be Roy to get married, and then you're going to marry him, maybe he's not going to want you. There could be a million things that go on, right? Because that's what she understood, that maybe they want to wait for her to have another child with the midst of Yibum, and therefore, because they didn't have children, and therefore do it in that way. No, absolutely not. She tried to, really try to dissuade them from, uh, from, 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 from going and continuing the journey all the way to Eretz Yisrael. She said, listen, it's not worth it for you. Definitely don't do that. Don't come with me. And when Rusan Orpa heard this, so it made a tremendous impression on her. And they realized that, whoa, maybe we will never get married again and have children, whatever it was. And they started crying and it was a whole situation. And at that time, Orpa said, yes, you're absolutely right. My dear mother-in-law, I think you're correct. She kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and she went back and she returned to Moyav, and she returned also, in Chazal tell us, to all her avoidazos. All of the Kedusha that she got from being together with Elimelech's son, together with Nomi, her mother-in-law, was all gone. She was a very special person, but everything went off. And even though she actually fell spiritually, she actually got tremendous amount of reward. Because Chazal tell us in Medrash Rabbah, that she at that time cried four tears. And the four tears that she cried for leaving her mother Nonomi, she merited to have four tremendous uh, uh, descendants that were Saf, Madon, Golios, and Yashvi. Golios was, you know, the huge one. So she actually got rewarded for those four tears, which does definitely show us in the Megillah, apart from any of the lessons, that a person is rewarded for seemingly the smallest things that he does, he will get reward. And that's what we see from this. And for many other things, we'll try to bring up some of the lessons as well. But um, Rus, however, was a lot more stubborn than her sister. Then, then Orpa, and she said, "Absolutely not! I am continuing to be with my mother-in-law Nomi. She's a very spiritual woman. She's a chashiv woman. There's absolutely no way." And Nomi, her mother-in-law, said, "Absolutely not!" She tried and tried and tried, and, and her daughter-in-law uh, Ruth said, "No way! I'm coming with you. Nothing you're going to say is going to persuade me. I'm coming with you. I'm following you. I'm going to get all the way to Eretz Yisrael." So what Nomi decided to do is what the halacha decides that a person has to do when someone wants to convert to Yiddishkeit. What do we do? We dissuade them, and she started telling them, "Well, if you walk with a tissue." now, you'll be okay. If you do it after you get convert, you'll be Chayav Misa. Rus said, no problem, I'm willing to do it. And she said, do you know the punishment of a person that's Chayav Misa? All and, no, and Rus said, yes, 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 yes. And she tried and tried and tried and she said, well, maybe you don't understand how severe it is. And Rus said, e- everything you say is fine. I'm accepting everything. I'm doing everything. And at this time, Nomi understood that obviously uh, she really wants to do it. She was sincere, and once she's sincere, she's not going to reject it anymore. And therefore, she's committed to live a life of Torah. She can come with me. And at that point, uh, they walk side by side. Even though Chazal tell us it's interesting that uh, where, the way when Normi walked, her, her 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 steps were very easy. When Rus walked, her steps were very hard. And that was represented by, which is what Chazal already tell us. In fact, the Chidah explains it from the Gemara in Bob Metzia by the Sugar of Yochanan Mishlokish, that when 
Mishlokish was Makabal, the old Torah, all of a sudden he couldn't swim, even though he was a professional swimmer. And the answer is because when you Makabal Torah, you get weaker. And Rus saw this clearly from, and Naomi saw this clearly from when she saw Rus being very, very hard in her steps. So she said it must be because she really was Makabal, the Torah, and therefore it's a real conversion. She can come with me. Um, we'll just do one last tickle to understand of her coming back to Eretz Yisrael. So they walked and they walked and they walked and eventually they reached Eretz Yisrael. And they walked side by side. Uh, and it's interesting how the Prosik tells us that the Prosik equates them together. Right, even though you've got normally a very big Sadekes and Rus, who's a Betzemagoy, who wants to become the the Posik, the Megillah puts them together because they both had a quest to come closer to Hashem, and that's a beautiful, beautiful idea again for ourselves to understand that when we want to get closer to Hashem, when we want to do the right thing, right, Abolatai, Messiah, when we want to do the right thing, the Rabbanishram always helps us in that case. Now, we have to understand that at time when Eretz Yisrael was very, very crowded, and the day they arrived into Eretz Yisrael was a very busy day. Two reasons why, or two possibilities why it was busy. One was because Boyaz, well, we'll discuss Boyaz tomorrow. Boyaz was also the god Lador Mamish. Uh, we'll discuss Boyaz. Either one shot is he's marrying off a child and the whole Kehila, everyone's coming to be in Sameh Hasavakala. Or the other reason is Boyaz's wife actually passed away and everyone gathered together for the Leviah. So it's interesting that the day that Boyaz uh, was, was escorting his wife to her final resting place, his future wife actually enters the city which is an incredible incredible thing people saw these two women that were walking without shoes with rags on them torn traveling alone which is very unusual to travel alone what's going on where, where are they coming from who are they and suddenly people started murmuring "Ooh, this is Nomi this is Nomi the wife of Elimelech the god of Lado, who left us who was such a Choshebiyid what's going on and she heard this and she said Rabbi Sai, please yes it's me Nomi the wife of Elimelech I left you I left my nation but please I have nothing left of me do not call me Nomi anymore it doesn't fit me anymore I no Ni'imus, Naomi is Loshan Noim, nice, pleasant. Just call me Mara, which is Loshan Mar, bitter. That's the way you should call me, because that's who I am and that's what I represent. And again, Chazal tell us at this moment she is doing tshuva by doing charota and by doing vidoy. She's mentioning all the Averas of Amishpacha. She's getting rid of the chapter that was, and she's starting a brand new chapter to rebuild her future. And it began that Rus and Naomi together, mother in law and daughter in law, both settling down together and the famine hasn't yet fully passed but they were desperate for some, f- some food and that this is where our story basically is going to end right now with how uh, they find food and once they find food obviously they're going to have to go out into the fields and they go out into the fields and we'll see Be'ez Hashem tomorrow a little bit more of what happens over